Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In this podcast, we chat about the draw against West Bromwich Albion. Tavernier's move to Bournemouth. Look ahead to QPR with the Up The Hours podcast and answer your podcast questions. This is the Board Breakdown podcast and this is all your Board Mash Day chatter in a pod. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy, it's the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all of your Borough Match Day chatter in a podcast. And a goal from Isaiah Jones and an equaliser from John Swift gave Borough and West Brom a point apiece at the Riverside Stadium on the opening day. Guys, as always, I want to get your initial thoughts and feelings. Uh, Dana, how are you feeling in three words? I'm going to say not too bad because I think that perfectly encapsulates how I was feeling after the game yesterday. It was a mixed game. First half was good. Second half probably showed the shortcomings of this squad. I did say after the game it was a, a makeshift squad, so to be honest, it was to be expected that we'd have a few notable areas of improvement. But all in all, you know, it's not that bad of a start, and hopefully this is just something that we can build on now. Tom? Uh, my three words are need some strikers. I think we could have had we could have had it wrapped up in the first half. Uh, it could have been about two or three nil by half time. And if if it was, I don't think West Brom were coming back from mid second half, even if they did play like they did. Um, I agree with what Dan said there. I think second half did show the shortcomings of the squad. I think we struggled a bit with the physicality of some of their players. I think uh, Ajayi was really good in, in defence for uh, for West Brom. And then when uh, DK came on, uh, you know, he's just bullying Lenahan a lot of the time. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy with the point in the end. But, you know, it, had we had some uh, some strikers on the pitch first half, you know, like what more's chance, I think that would get finished by, you know, like a Marcus Force, for example. Not very keen on Duncan Whatmore at the moment. Um, but I'm going to go with a building block. I think it was a good opening day performance. First half, thought we were really, really good, really strong. Um, and second half, we seemed to retire a little bit. And it was clear that we we are in the need for strikers. Um, I thought when Akpom and, and Whatmore tired after about 50, 60 minutes, it was clear that the that West Brom were going to get more into the game. The press wasn't as strong. They got more of a foothold in the game and they really built it and they really built up over time. And I agree with you as well, Tom. I thought if we had a better striker in those positions at times, we probably would have been two or three up um, before half time. But it's a shame that we've missed and we're going, to, we're going to talk about a point. But all in all, I thought Tuba played quite well, but we'll go on to that a little bit later on. But let's chat about the game in more, in more depth then because we were backed by 26,000 fans of the Riverside. Um, Bora Boss, Chris Wilder, handed competitive debuts uh, to Lenahan, Ryan Giles and Zach Steffen. But it was Tuba Akpom, of all players, that was a surprise name on the team sheet after being the cold all pre-season, apart from his, the game against Marseille. 
Um, and it was Chilwell that made a really big impact uh, throughout the game as well with his assist for Isaiah Jones, uh, putting Bora ahead, but then John Swift's equaliser gave both teams a point. Uh, Dana, overall assessment, how are you feeling about the game against West Bromwich Albion? Yeah, as I alluded to uh, at the top, I think the first half was good and it did feel like we were going to add to the lead. And obviously we did, it was flagged offside. And then obviously what you just said there, the miss, just it's so typical of what more, isn't it? Unfortunately, he can absolutely ping one on the edge of the box against Sheffield United, but he can't convert against, you know, the Stoke chance as well. Very similar to that. It's like when he's faced with a shot right in the face of goal, he, he misses it, unfortunately. But yeah, the, the first half, I thought West Brom were very passive, um, particularly out wide, much like the game last season. I thought those wide areas were, were proving quite problematic for them and quite prosperous for us. Um, but then in the second half, they stepped on us more. I think they turned their passiveness into aggression. And, and uh, Bruce said after the game, there's a piece in The Athletic, he said that they put John Swift on Johnny Housen because Housen in the first half was dictating the game. He was allowed to play balls into those wide areas. And that's what we did in the first for the first goal. It was him that played that pass into uh, Ryan Giles. And, and to be honest, there was a spell within 10 minutes of the second half where West Brom turned the game into a mess. And... Chris Wilder said that it was a bit of a basketball affair at that point. And I think that suited them and it and it absolutely didn't suit us because it rattled us. It, it made us a little bit hasty in what we were doing and, and rash in our decision-making. And yeah, it disrupted us. And ultimately that's what lost us the the three points in the end. And as you said, with Watmore and, and uh, Akpom, I think we tired. But as I said, a bit of a, a tail of two halves, you know, kind of expected first game of the season with a makeshift squad. Yeah, absolutely. And and Tom, with with what Dana was saying there around like, you know, the, the first half was good and the second half was quite poor and the tire and was tiring as well. It was definitely a game that could have went either way, wasn't it? Because that first half was really good. The second half they had big chances and we could we could have been we could have could be speaking today about a defeat. Yeah, I mean, first half, as soon as Jones scored, I thought that game was only going to go one way. Um, as as Dana mentioned, we had a, a goal ruled out for offside. Um, unfortunately, I was right down the other end of the ground from the penalty appeal. So at first, everyone was appealing for it. I've seen it on the ITV show. Yeah, probably not. But um, yeah, what more missing that chance as well? Uh, it's, it's, it's a bit frustrating because... Uh, as Dan's just said there, he can just score phenomenal goals. You know, the the one from the edge of the box, you've got the Huddersfield one from a couple of years mm. ago where we just beat everyone and, you know, pinged it in left-footed and then, you know, five yards out, misses the ball completely. So, um, yeah, we, we had our chances first half and then, then second half they scored. And then I, I remember they've had a, a couple more chances uh, where I think Stefan's made a, a couple of good saves, you know, bravely getting in the in the way of one of them. Uh, I think it bounced off his chest. And then there's another one I watched on the ITV highlight show where I'm I'm glad that it didn't get squared because that would have been a an easy kind of FIFA goal. But um yeah, I I didn't even see the guy at the point uh, at the point in, in real time. I just thought, right, whoever this is, uh, I can't remember who it was, it, it is going to um just try and curve it round Stefan and it, it was a fairly poor shot. Um, but yeah, I thought Stefan did well there to uh, to keep it at one-one. But yeah, they, they did have their chances. I think we let them go into the game a little bit too much, and I, I think it's just showing the uh, the need for for reinforcements. 
I want to focus on the on the first goal, Tom, because I think it's a really good bit of play from us, and we want to. I want to. I want to have that real focus on on the move because it was a really well worked goal, wasn't it for Borough? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think from from Giles, a very very good run to find the gap, and then great technique to reposition himself, reposition his body uh, body shape, and hit the perfectly weighted side foot pass uh, into Wackpom. You've got McGree making an overlapping run to the outside. Uh, drawing a potential threat away from from Giles as well. Um, Akpom, I, I thought, played really well uh, in, in the first half yesterday. Kind of didn't have too much to, to do in the second half, but yeah, in, in the first half, he didn't look like a, a player who like knows he's off or anything like that. He, know, he looked like a player with a point to prove. And um, yeah, he gets the ball, keeps balance long enough to just hit a, a good left foot uh, pass across the goal. And it's it's a goal we've we've seen quite a lot from from our team. You know, you got Jones and Crooks at the far post, uh, both waiting for the chance and thankfully went straight to Jones who uh, who got the tap in. So really well worked goal and nice to see it happening from the left hand side this year instead of the right as well. And uh, it's gonna the, the chance gonna change, gonna say Ryan Giles on the left hand side. Crooks' air is fine. Um is it, gets but, yellow carded uh, all the time. Yeah, gets yellow carded all the time, yeah. Uh <laughs> But yeah, I think it's it's a really good goal, Tom. Like you were saying there, like the the build up is really really strong. The way Housen is it able to get the interception, get Middlesbrough back playing again, find that that left hand side. It was good to have that inverted run playing through. Um, I would say that West Brom. I would be you'd be kicking yourselves if you're a West Brom fan because I thought first half Danny you were a little passive. But what I didn't really like about them yesterday was. They always want to drop back. They always want to drop back into a shape. They always want to be a bit narrow. And it allowed us to to have that space on the width. And that's our main strength. And and appreciate you are trying to be compact when you want to defend and you want to make things difficult to get through. But when you have such good crossing ability on our wings, then sometimes you're going to get probably more chances than you than you think. And I thought it was a poor tactical uh, tweak from, from Steve Bruce in the first half. But they got better in the second half and they did equalise Dana. What do you think could have been prevented? I think all goals probably can be prevented, and we can we can dissect that now because we've got some graphics, haven't we? It, there's just a yeah. lot to it. Lot yeah. To do it. you want to lead with this? Because I know you have some pretty yeah, pretty good thoughts I, on it. Yeah, I, I can lead. And um, we'll get the what more uh, graphic up first, then because uh, when Bora do get the ball, um, and from Ryan Giles on the left hand side, the play through a what more, um, and when what more does, and there's there's a there's a frame just before it where. He gets the ball and his body shape and everything is to run down the line. I think that's great because what Mills were trying to do is you can either get out for a throw in and then you can recycle, you can restart your, your play again. But he's very he's very fortunate and, and uh, the the West Brom defender here, he, he, he's able to, Ajay, Ajay, I couldn't think of his, his name for a second. Um, he allows him to go down the line and then Ajay does something really cool. Here. If you're watching us on YouTube, you'll be able to see it, but in, on our podcast providers, I'll, I'll try and describe it for you. So, Ajay sets his body up, he, he plants his, his right foot down, and he's trying to show uh, Duncan what more down the line. And what he's, he's able to do here is, he's able to create like a striking distance, so he's going to allow Duncan Watmore to come in on that bended curve run, and then he'll be able to hit him probably just bef- in the, between the box and the, in the, the box, and like that, that little wide, sp- in the, within the wide space. He's able to probably connect the the, the challenge and then re- and start the attack from there. What Duncan Watmore can actually do in this point, he's already halfway there and he's already got a split second ahead of Ajay here because of the way his body's positioned, the ball's on his outside of his foot, his, his left foot's planted, he can open his body up here and then he can play it back to Giles, recycle the play 
and then none of this attack actually even materializes. Uh, but he doesn't. Um, he tries to get past the defender, and to be fair, he's fell into his trap. But if if Duncan Watt was a bit quicker, or you've got someone a bit more speed and get around him, then you know you're going to be in a really good attacking position here. But he's not. Um, Ajay kind of takes him into a false sense of security, really, and allows him to try and get past him. He gets the tackle. And then I think this is where the break starts to happen for you, Dennis. Just, I think, is just it? on that, yeah, just yeah. on the Watmar thing, I don't yeah. think it's a bad decision for him to no. go down the line there because it's a 1v1 versus a Jai. You see it on the right-hand side, it's mm-hmm. usually Jones against about three people. That's a 1v1 between Watmar and Ajayi there. So I think the decision isn't bad, it's the execution of it. He's never yeah. fully in control of the ball and his, his mm-hmm. dribbling is very... Messy, I think, is probably the best way to put it. And so I don't think it's necessarily the, uh, a bad decision. I just think it's the bad execution of it. Mm. And in that moment, I think we said this off air before we came on, it's good defending. It's great defending from Ajayi to you know position his body, like you said, to kind of invert that run from Watmore and to basically blindside him and to, yeah. to kind of lock him into that um, situation whereby Ajayi can then spring on him. And it's it's actually really good attacking play from Ajayi as well because, and if we move it on, move the graphic on to the, to the second phase, um, when he distributes the ball, um, you know, it, it's a fantastic ball up and then unfortunately Lenahan misses that header. And then if you look at the space in the middle between McGree and it's Malumbi, McGree does get caught on his heels and then that second contact when... Uh, the aerial duel is unfortunately, you know, he, he loses it, uh, Lenahan. Malumbi's then racing down and, and pinches the ball beyond McGree, which then kind of sets this trigger of, it's kind of really unfortunate for Borough because they're just quicker than our players in that instance. You see, obviously, like I mentioned, the header is lost, the space in behind them because Lenahan's then trying to get that second contact. He's trying to press. Um he just gets caught and then already you see Carlin Grant on that sort of half space is ready to go and ready to pounce. And, and when Malumbi does get to the ball ahead of McGree, you've got acres of space there in behind and he's already on it. And I think you had a good point about this, Johnny, didn't you? Yeah, like look at like look at Wallace on, on the right hand side, he's on the touchline, and look at Carlin Grant as well. And you look at the body shape of the Borough defenders as well. And What's interesting is is head shape, head shape really, and it's like how they're positioning the head, and and appreciate where your head goes, your body tends to follow. Um, and where all the Boris players here are looking at the ball, they're not looking at the runs in behind, and it catches it catches them cold a little bit. And don't get wrong, this is a great ball through from uh, Malumbi. What was it? What's it? Is it Malumbi? Malumbi. Malumbi, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, Malumbi, and like it's a great ball through, um, but. By the time that they've got the ball here uh, in in this frame and just before the the, the centre circle, Middlesbrough are in in deep uh, deep they're danger already. already. Chasing, aren't they? They're, they're already chasing. The high level chance is going to be coming, and Middlesbrough are probably most likely going to concede here from from probably from this moment. And they're able to get away. Like you, I want you to probably take it back then, but obviously when you're looking at this anyway, it is probably a three v three on that next frame. So if you want to go on the next three on the next frame. It's probably a, a three or four, four v three. But if you're looking at Dean Garner on that right hand side, is it Dean Garner? I can't, is it, I can't really make out because of the graphic. It's but... uh, Carlin Grant and then Chad Wallace basically a two v one against Matt Ball. No, Matt I'm, Ball is never I'm... really going to recover that, is he? On the one further away, furthest away, I can't make out. But uh, anyway, 
Matt Phillips, I can't even barely say it, but anyway, the term, <laughs> my point is Matt Phillips is kind of irrelevant at this point. Um, yes. It's just the, the, the two are going forward and the two of you want against Baller, but I'll, I'll pass the mic back over to you, Dana, because I know you've got... Yeah, to, what disappoints me, actually, is is Baller tries to... I want to say he tries to show Wallace down the line, but he's not really close enough to shut off the space. So by the time that the cross is in the box, obviously you've got that uh, swift situation where he's just there's just so much room for him there to be able to not only shoot, but before the ball actually gets to him, to think about what he's going to do in a player of John Swift's quality, when you give him that opportunity and that space, he's always going to score that. But like the way that the, the cross is unchallenged and, you know, it, it's obviously Matt Ball is caught there between Grant kind of on the outside of him and then he's got Wallace to contend with. So he's, he's never really going to get into that position where he's, the favoured man in that situation but I just feel like he could have maybe got a little bit tighter to to Wallace and shut off that cross but obviously when the ball is cut back to to Swift you never really think he's going to miss that um such as his quality so it's just it's a really disappointing goal to concede but we said it off air that you know it's more really effective counter-attacking play isn't it and sometimes you do have to hold your Mm -hmm. hand up and say you know what fair enough a fantastic piece of defending from Ajaya who I thought had a really good game um really good distribution from him as well and then it was just incisive you know Malumbi key to it his midfield player nicking the ball ahead of McGree playing that through ball into space for Wallace and that cut back and the finish it's just good play. um obviously still disappointing from Borough's point of view but it is good play yeah and I think where where Swift's able to to slowly jog in it kind of reminds me of Frank Lampard um obviously the both you know it's both Chelsea graduates aren't they so uh well Swift is a Chelsea graduate so it's clearly learned from him there to cut this nice they slowly jog in the box, you know, slow down your run, find a bit of space and a lovely whip in the bottom corner and absolutely no chance. And it's a good equaliser as well. And it's a shame. It's a shame that this could have been prevented in so many different ways and different phases. But West Brom won those battles to try and the the won the right to to play in that moment and and punish us. And I think it's a it's a good goal from them. But I want to hear your, both of your thoughts on Duncan Watmore because I know we we spent a little bit of time on him there. We've but we've all mentioned him in passing comments already in the pod and he missed that big chance in the first half. He didn't really see himself. He was a bit hot and cold yesterday, and we found that a couple of games last season. And look, we're not going to go, I don't think we should go into it too deep, but it's just a, do you think he could potentially lose his place this season or even worse, get, get sold by Chris Wilder? Because it just it just seemed off yesterday for Duncan Watmore. His, his pressing wasn't as good as it has been. Um, and I'm pretty sure everyone has a, everyone can have a bad game. It was the first game of the season. There's a lot of caveats to it. Um, but I kind of want to hear your thoughts on him because do you think he could lose his place? Tom, do you want to go first? Well, I don't think he was ever going to be the regular stri- starting striker anyway. <clears throat> I think he's there at the moment because we don't have anyone else. I did think he was going to be uh, an option this year. Because to me, when when I look at the, the way we've played since Wilder came in, he's probably, out of the four we had last season, the one who kind of uh, fit it best in terms of the pressing. Because uh, he, he did seem to have the, the best engine out of the four strikers and, and being able to, to press and, and chase down teams playing out of defence. But everything, every kind of issue I had with the way he played yesterday... I don't know. I saw an article this morning where Wilder said he was playing on one leg, and I'm thinking, is he actually carrying an injury then? Because it wasn't mentioned before the game, but now I'm I'm thinking like, if he is injured, that would make a lot of sense because 
as you say, his pressing wasn't off. Uh, uh, was off yesterday. He he did seem slower than usual and uh, and off the pace. Um, I'm disappointed with the the chance he missed as well, obviously, but. I don't put that down to the leg injury because he's done it before. I just put that down to what more doing, what more things. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he he did seem a lot lot slow yesterday. So if he is injured, um, you know, fair play for for playing through it and and stuff. He just he he did seem like he wasn't himself yesterday. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, it makes it more frustrating now that, that when he tries to take on a giant on now with one, if he's got one leg. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Dana, how are you feeling about Duncan Watmore at the moment? Do you think, obviously, there could be the injury as well, but do you think that he's going to be the first try striker this year if we were to bring more bodies in? No, definitely not. And I think with Watmore, I think we can all appreciate the the hard work that he puts in. You know, he's a willing runner and he is a willing willing presser usually. And he seems like a great guy by all accounts. And I, I don't want this by any means to to be a bit of a pile on, on Watmore. And I hope that it comes across that we're being as fair and balanced as we can here. But Watmore came into the team when Middlesbrough were in a, a funny era to be honest in terms of quality it was a bit of a mixed bag wasn't it we had some good players some players that were there kind of to get us through the season and to get us ticking over and he was kind of one of those players you know he came like a ball out the blue I always say that on this podcast but like a ball out the blue and he was our top scorer in that campaign um, when Woodgate uh, was sacked and then uh, Warnock came over towards the, the end of the season and I just feel like a natural progression of development in this squad has kind of made what more plummet down the the quality and the standard a little bit as Borough's quality and standard has risen he's fallen a little bit below that so whereas previously he was a part of the team and a part of the standard now I feel like we just get into that next level and unfortunately for what more if we do want to progress while they've spoken about top end championship players I just don't think what more is that He's a good option to bring off from the bench as an impact yeah. substitute, but as a starter, I just feel like he's the type of player to be replaced. And you know, I know we're being linked with Matthew Hoppy of uh, Mallorca. I think if we bring him in, then it might signal the end for Watmore because everything that I've read about him is that he's a presser, he's a willing runner, he will harass defenders, a bit like what uh, Watmore does, but obviously a little bit better. Um, so yeah, I just feel like it's probably time to start phasing Watmore out. We just don't yeah. have the strikers to do so. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll hoppy skip and jump to the next question then because we'll. <laughs> I'm here all week. Um, even my dog's like that, and my dog's behind me as well. And he, he, he enjoyed that. Um, he's just wanting to get out. that cameo in. <laughs> I know, look at him, look at him. No, he was yawning. He did not like that joke, Johnny. <laughs> no. no, he was laughing. He just didn't hear it. Um, but <laughs> based on the performance yesterday, then. Uh, was there any highlights to you in terms of what we need to do to progress next year? I think obviously the one is, you know, the strikers or the bodies to come in, but is there anything performance-wise where you want to highlight in terms of like progression? Is there anything that we can improve on? Uh, Dan, do you want to kick us off for that one? Yeah, um, well, firstly, I think it is good that we've obviously got an outlet on the left now. We were far too lopsided last season and it caught us out towards the end of the campaign. So the fact that we've added Giles to the ranks is, is a brilliant move. Honestly, Mr. Perfect, I keep calling him, because I just think as, a, as far as signing goes, just spot on, literally spot on of what we wanted. Um, I think it's more in terms of personnel, to be honest. Uh, probably a left-sided defender. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we need a left-sided defender. Baller is makeshift. Um, at the moment ideally you don't want him in that position and then just improvement up front you know we need 
we need a poacher. We've got that in Marcus Force. Um, we probably need somebody to play off him as well. Maybe a, a physical presence um, that can be involved in the in the build up because the options that we had off the bench yesterday just weren't weren't it really. Whether um, Corbin trying to get involved in the build up, just not his game. Unfortunately, he's a fantastic. I think he's a fantastic or has has the potential to be a fantastic poacher, fantasy box striker. But we just need improvements in terms of personnel, then I think we'll we'll see the cards uh, fall in our favour this season. Tom? Yeah, definitely agree with the uh, the left side centre-back uh, option there because there were times in the game yesterday where I think Bowler was just a little bit too slow uh, to play out the back. I mean, uh, as Dennis said, he, he very much is a uh, stopgap. It's not his natural position. It, it is good, the, the balance that he brings having a left-footed there. Um, just like I said, there were times where if he was a couple of seconds quicker, he could have released Giles down the left-hand side again. Or, uh, you know, if he had a little bit better vision, there were balls inside to, to Riley McGree he could have played. Um, but a lot of the time he was kind of turning, playing it safe and giving it back to Lenahan, um, which we don't mind so much. I think uh, if, if you want someone safe to have on the ball, it's uh, it's going to be Lenahan uh, at, at the moment. But... Um, yeah, I, I think if you get someone a little bit more naturally um, left side centre back, attack minded as well, being able to, to play out from the back there, um, I, I think that's really going to help us. I also think, based on what Wilder said about who was on the bench uh, in terms of the young uh, lads and naming Boyd Munts out of the the three of them, I don't think Boyd Munts is going to be sticking around in the first team picture. Um, so much this season, I think he'll probably get you know sporadic appearances, but um, I, I do think we'll be looking at another uh replacement for Tab there. And I think yeah, you're gonna need to, to look some look for someone with try and replicate that work rate. Um, because I'm I, I, not saying that I don't like McGree in that position or anything, I thought especially the last 20 25 minutes, I thought McGree really came alive and uh, you know, showed what more of what he could do. Uh, I, think, I think that's where he kind of like really clicked in the game, but he's not the same type of player as Tav. And I think there were times, like the um, the screenshot you were showing about the West Brom goal, I, I do think we missed Tav there, the uh, the energy yeah, and, I agree. In, in, in closing that down and, and, and getting back and stuff. So I, I do think we need to, to replicate that in the, any signing we can make for the left side of midfield as well. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think, although I really enjoy Riley McGree, um, his, his performance yesterday, I think there's still obviously that 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 legginess we need just to improve. But I think that'll come as well. I think as as he develops in that role, I think that that tenaciousness and the the ability to probably press harder will probably come into his game. Uh, obviously, it's a different role from him what he's been used to. Um, but let's move on to the praise and place because the, if this the praise and place is the place we give praise to a, a player, a fan, chips and gravy, chips curry. And more. Um, but I want to know, guys, who gets your nomination this week? Um, Tom, I'm going to stick with you. Who gets your nomination for the present place this week? Well, I think the the obvious one is Ryan Giles. You know, Sky Sports man of the match, and you can see why. Because you know, I, I think if anything, we started to become more lopsided on the left uh, yesterday than uh, you know what we were doing last season. But yeah, delivery of, of crosses was uh, was was pretty bang on most of the time. Um, you know, pretty much created uh, the chance for the the first goal, and like I say, he, he should have had an assist to his name as well. Um, but also uh, Daryl Lenahan, I thought was was a real kind of calm and presence at the back yesterday. 
um, always organising Dyke Stale and Bowler. And I, I think, you know, when we first spoke about him joining, I thought he was going to be right centre-back. I couldn't see Dill Fry getting dropped for him. Um, and then I was saying to my dad yesterday during the game, I'm like, actually, I can kind of see why. And I'm not against it now. Like, I, I think hopefully on the training ground, Dale Fry might be able to learn some of those characteristics uh, from Daryl Lenahan. But, you know, as we kind of upgrade in terms of level, as uh, as Dana was saying earlier, and as we're trying to aim towards the, the top of the table, I think Dale Fry might just be one of the casualties of um, of, of that change. Um Still a lot of potential for the future. He's uh, by no means, uh, you know, finished or anything. But um, yeah, I, th- I think Daryl Enhan's uh, going to going to be like a mainstay in that position for the rest of the season, and and you can see why from the way he played yesterday. I think if one player is to move, it's Mark Baller and Fry comes in with Lenahan and Dyke Steele. That'd be my three, um, but. It's a present place. It's where we praise everything. Uh, Denimo, who are you going to go for? Um, you know, I'll I'll say Giles as well, but also I thought Dyke Steele was good yesterday. Um, and there's been a lot of chat, and I'm talking about the people in our Telegram chat here, uh, about Dyke Steele's position and him being upgraded. And I can see it. I can see it, definitely, because I think everybody in that team could probably be upgraded. But I just like Dyke Steel. I think in terms of that recovery, you talk about Jones getting forward, Giles getting forward, the spacing behind. He's brilliant with that recovery. We've seen it ever since he came into this team. I remember when he made his appearance after injury against Reading during lockdown season and he looked so calm and assured. And I think he'd been out for about seven months at that time. Obviously, COVID definitely extended that time. But I just like Dyke Steel. And I really do hope that he can stay in this team. But I don't know if this is a stupid point to make. The fact that he's been moved to 15 might suggest that he might be a sort of second choice. I don't know. But I also want to praise Stuart Ratpom because I think credit where credit is due, he came on, well, he was on yesterday and he came off with an assist. Um, He worked tirelessly hard until I think he couldn't give any more. Um, The fact that he's been out in the cold, Wilder told him that he's not part of his plans and then resumed training, I think, the the week before the season started. I think he was good. You know, he was good. And I think he can offer us something for the time being. He's the the mobile poacher. You know, I looked at a few of his goals when he was at Pauk. And uh, he is that kind of instinctive striker. We saw it when he followed in that rebound against Barnsley and everyone was thinking, Jesus Christ, we've got a striker that will actually <laughs> try to get that rebound in. Um, yeah, I think credit to Tuba for that because his performance was good. Okay, um, Giles and Tuba for you. I've got two as well. I, one, obviously, I think Tuba um, was was definitely in the in the present place for me. For me, I thought he was really good at times yesterday. There was a good hold up play. I think if he gets fitter and fitter, then one, he's he's probably going to put himself in the shop in the shop window. Whether he wants to stay, who knows? Um, but he's he's done a lot of he's done himself a lot of good there in terms of if he wants to make a move. There'll be people out there going, oh, you know what, if he's available, we might be able to bring him in. But if not, then we don't get no offers, then we've got a player there who would probably fit the system. And, you know, he, he probably does. He probably does fit the system a lot more than what people think. And, yes, he hasn't played under Chris Wilder much, but I think the more and more I'll see of him, the better he'll probably get. And maybe it's a salary thing. Maybe, obviously, the player might want to want to move as well. But he, there is a good player in Joe Brackpom. It's just 
he need, he needs that like warm loving embrace and <laughs> um an arm around the shoulder and maybe just a few games and you never know he might have something that that might benefit us uh, in the season but who knows to be honest I'm not too sure I, do I think he'll be here by the end of August I, I don't think he will be uh but he's done him he did he did really really well yesterday and I think my second one goes to, to you Dana I think it was uh nice to see you <laughs> On, on BBC T's yesterday with Addo and Maddo in the post-match uh, breakdown. Obviously, you're doing that a lot more this season, but you're still sticking around here. So if you go anywhere, I, I know where Maddo and Addo live. So I'm going to uh, <laughs> in the BBC T's tower. Um, so I got my ID in there. So I'll uh, I'll be signing in and getting them straight away to lynch you back. Um, but well done. It was nice Thank to see. Thank you, Johnny. Um, nice to see. Um, but yeah, if you haven't listened to it, it's on BBC Sounds, uh, so we can advertise that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> on post-match and you see little old Dana uh, dissecting the game with Adol and Maddo, which is lovely. Um, up in the but, West. And I'm ter- the I am said to I said to Adol, I'm terribly scared of heights, so I'll probably fall on the way down here. But then I just said that Zach Seffer will catch me, so it's fine. <laughs> Weird, weird that you're going to announce your love for Zach Steffen there. Uh, just, fall, <laughs> just fall into his arms. Uh, your damsel in distress. Uh, right, let's move on uh, to the post-match uh, presser then because Chris Wilder said um, that Middlesbrough are just a couple of players very, very, very close to getting signed off and then a few players were to getting completely signed completely. So we are in the market for about five players. Um, he even said, and I quote, it's just a case with a couple of, of players not getting signed off us for, by us or parent clubs in time for a day. We're down the line with a couple. So very, very close. And then also he said around about Josh Corbin can go out on loan. He said, we've got really high hopes for Josh. Uh, but we possibly feel that his progression and his development that I may need to go out on loan and play a regular football. We'll come on the on the transfers in a second because we've got quite a few in terms of that in, in our pod questions. But Josh Corbin, right decision to take him out, uh, to take him to take him out of the, the squad and score. Go on, Joshy, go out on loan and, and see how you can progress your, your game from there. Dan, do you think it's the, the right decision? Joshy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have another name for it, but I'm aware that kids watch us at times, so yeah. I can't really say We've the, heard this one before, the, yeah. The, the, I can't say <laughs> it much longer. I'm keeping it PG for that one, so... I like Joshy, though. Um, yeah, I think it probably is, because Wilder does tend to like five strikers, and I feel like for his development, as Wilder said, it probably would be best for him to go out. Um, I asked the EFL encyclopedia that is Gab Sutton, our good friend Gab Sutton, and he said that... Um, Forest Green Rovers and Portville will probably suit somebody uh, like Josh Corburn and probably are in the market for somebody like him. So, yeah, it'd be good to see him out um, on loan. Whoever picks him up is getting a, a really good finisher and hopefully they can develop other parts of his game as well. So I think ideally it is a good decision. Came on yesterday and obviously, as I said, in the build-up, he's not quite there, is he? But he's definitely got potential as Corburn, so hopefully he can go out and thrive. Tom, are you in agreement? Yeah, I think um, if if we were to, uh, able to loan him out somewhere where he's going to be playing the majority of the games in the season as as one of the the main strikers, uh, and also in a in a system where it's going to be similar to ours, where he's going to get the similar sorts of chances and stuff like that, uh, it's only a, only a good thing because realistically he's not going to be doing that here. Uh, he's not going to be playing the majority of the games, and he's probably only going to get. Um, you know, kind of sporadic appearances. So I think if we were to give him that game time in, in a, a similar system, similar chances, just, you know, get him ready for it. Hopefully he'll be able to come back next year and hit the ground running. 
Yeah, and I'm in agreement with all all three, all two E's as well because all three. Who's the third person? <laughs> all three. Well, Max has like, just made the same suggestion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's, he's, he's very knowledgeable about football. You see. Um, but yeah, I, I would say yeah, got on loan. I think yesterday it kind of proved to me that yeah, Joshy, yeah, you're not ready uh, for the, a big championship push this year. Um, go out on loan, enjoy some game time, and hopefully come back a completely different player. And I think he's got the ability to do so. We'll soon see uh, next season. But let's move on to podcast questions because it's each week you get the chance to ask us a question for us to answer on the podcast, whether that be via Twitter at the board underscore breakdown, or email at the board breakdown at hotmail.com, or join our Telegram chat with like over 250 Borough fans talking everything about Borough and not just Borough, it's just everything, including the Wobbly Goblin, all sorts. It's, just, it's absolutely Paddy Minas, Ding Dong. Yeah, every it's week. Absolute, it's just carnage <clears throat> in that group chat, to be honest. I've never seen something so carnage. Um, but it is a lot of fun. It is there's never there's never a dull day in that chat, I must admit. It's always I've always got a smile on my face when you open that up. But the first question is from Jason. He says, Why has Izzy stopped running at defenders? Uh who wants to take this one? Dana, Tom, you yeah, know? I can take it. Go on, Dana. Yeah, I think he's just adapting his game because when he came in, he was as much as of a surprise to us as he was for other championship fullbacks. And I think he's just trying to adapt. You know, sometimes, and as I alluded to earlier, he'll have the left back on him, then the left-sided central centre-half, and then the left-sided centre midfielder. And it just shuts off the space. So I think on the subject of what you said earlier Johnny recycling possession I just think it's a clever move you know he's trying to adapt his game it's not necessarily a bad thing and we did pick up on it I think a lot of Borough fans picked up on it last season so it's probably worth keeping an eye on further but yeah I just think it's a case of him trying different ways to unlock the door which as I said isn't necessarily a bad thing we probably do want to see more of John's at full pelt because it's it's exciting isn't it you know when he gets the bags of tricks out when he leaves uh, Lee Wallace on the floor after nutmegging him. It's it's really good, but I think he's just trying to be clever about it, isn't he? He's, he's trying to think in different ways to to get through. Yeah, the the old one too with Crooks gets him on his bike, you know, get around him. So there is mm-hmm. stuff like that. He's obviously adding to his game more and more. But yeah, I agree with you. Then uh, next question is from the little fella on Twitter, um, not Janino, unfortunately, but it would be awesome if it was. <laughs> um, he says, "Think McGree is going to be a big player for us, but he's not Tav." We've alluded to this a little bit earlier, but how important is it that we find a new engine? Tom, do you want to take this one? Uh, yeah, very important. I think we, we saw it in the um, in, in the breakdown of the the goal, as as we mentioned earlier. Um, you know, Tav probably would have made up that extra couple of yards to to be able to close down uh, Malumbi before he was even played that uh, able to play the pass. Um, and as we say, Wilder said that um, you know, Boyd Munts is one of the the young ones who who's made the bench who probably wouldn't in another scenario. So I think it's obvious that we are looking for someone else in that in that position. Um, it's it's going to be hard to to replicate Tav's Tav's work rate and probably like expensive to um, replace him if we can find that. Um, but. We do need someone else there who who offers something different to to McGree and more similar to to what Tav offered us. So uh, definitely some somewhere we need to address before uh, end of transfer window. Okay, the next question we'll stick with you, Tom as well. Uh, Tom Jed Jed Mike Brown. Um, it says Corburn looks slow. Uh, should we pair him with what more for more energy? Um, 
from given what we've been saying, I'd, I'd might not be the case. No, I mean we we know he's uh, likely to go out on loan, don't we? So I don't think it's uh, it's something we need to worry about. I think last season those two did work quite well together when when they came on. It was often off the bench, um, but Watmore's apparently only got one leg at the moment, so that probably won't work well right now. I think the issue was yesterday that uh, him and Force were were fairly similar in in terms of kind of being poachers and stuff, but. What I did like from Coburn yesterday, there was a a chance where uh, he had the ball, close control edge of the box, and I think he had a couple couple of defenders on him. I might have just been one, but he just he managed to hold that defender off, out Muslim, and and try to get a shot off. I think it did just get blocked in the end, but it, he showed good strength, good footwork to to get into that position. And you know, with uh, a full season of football under his belt from from loan move, hopefully we'll be seeing that a lot more next season. Okay, next question. Uh, it's from Danny Beardmore, and he says, "Do we need competition for all three midfield positions?" Dana, what was one? I think we need competition for at least two of those three. With Howson, he didn't really miss many games last season. I remember he had COVID around Boxing Day um, because I literally said, "Dinner." I was like, "Howson's coughing. He's got COVID," and then he got COVID. Um, Doctor Dana, but hang on, yeah, hang on. Th- hang on. Have you got the the mug? The malt the, curse. The malt curse mug. There you go. The malt curse mug. There you go. Um, <laughs> malt curse. The official curse of Millsbury Football Club. Uh, trademark. Yeah. <laughs> um, shout out to to Tom from We Are Side for that. Go and check them out. Yeah. They are fab. Um, but yeah, I think for Housen's position, obviously Paddy McNair is there, and thankfully for Paddy, he is versatile enough to be able to probably cover that position. We haven't yet seen him too much. I think he played a couple of preseason games and then the Mansfield game uh, as well in the Cup last season in that number six. But I think number six is a position where we probably need somebody to come in to eventually replace Housen. Um, so I suppose to answer the question, it, it would help, wouldn't it? But then particularly those two more advanced number eight positions, we definitely need competition there with Piero leaving and then Tav leaving as well. Boy Munz, as Tom said, probably leaning more towards the, the young player sporadic appearance category. Um, yeah, I think we need left-sided and right-sided, kind of either or for I'm a bit ambivalent to the number six, to be honest. Okay. Um just thinking, Anthony Dykesteel, one and five equals six. Is he going to be the, the troll? <laughs> <laughs> playing with playing with numbers, absolutely love it. Uh, final question of the day, then, it's from Mike, and he says, bearing in mind Chris Wilder confirmed, he still wants a left centre-back who makes up our first-choice back three. Um, who, sorry, who makes up our uh, back three when everyone is available? And Ty uh, from the Telegram chat asks a similar question as well in, in how important is the left centre-back role for us. Um, so who makes up our our back three when everyone is fit and we bring someone in? So Tom Green, who do you, who do you think is our best three? Um, so Gorn Lenahan in the middle of the three. Um, yeah. I prefer Dyke Steele on the right hand side over McNair, but I do think it's going to be McNair when when everyone's fit purely because of what he offers going forwards. Um, I, th- I think we know from the Chris Wilder system that you know that centre back getting forwards is is an important part of it. And I thought last last year Dyke still worked really well with with Crooks and Jones. And defensively, I do like him more than McNair in that position. But 
I do think McNair is more attack focused, so it probably will be him. And on the left side, it'll probably be Jacob Graves when we sign him from Hull City. <laughs> nice answer. <laughs> uh, lovely answer. Lovely answer. I'm all for that. Uh, Dana, do you want to answer as well? Me as well. Yeah, it's tough because I think last season, Dale Fry was our best defender. In terms of raw defensive attributes, the tackling, the intercepting, the reading the game, I thought he was our best defender. But then Lenahan comes into the equation, also a fantastic defender. It's a really tough one. I think right now, I don't really, I'm not 100% sold on McNair being on the left, but for now, I'll put him on the left, McNair on the right. And you know what? I keep it the same as last season. I play, I play Dale Fry in the middle. I think Lenahan, good. And I do like Lenahan. He's solid. I just think, don't write Dale Fry off. That's what I'm, okay. I'll just park that there. Don't write Dale Fry off. Don't write Dale Fry off. Write him off. Um, <laughs> next podcast. Next, next uh, <laughs> that'll probably happen. <laughs> Well, well, there is a, a defender we haven't mentioned, and we haven't done a video on him uh, just yet. But he did come in uh, last last week, um, and it's Tommy Smith. Uh, he was with us all preseason. He did sign a one year deal uh, with the club. And if we ha- if you haven't seen our videos on on the lowdowns, uh, we've just done one with Marcus Force as well, which me and Dana done on our YouTube channel. And go and give it a watch. Um, but Tommy Smith, then, uh, given we haven't seen much of, of much of him, we asked Ben from the YYY files. Uh, for, to give us some insight on Bora's new versatile. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Defender. Hey, guys. Ben here from Stoke Podcast, the YYY Files. So how he plays, he is without a doubt a right wing back as opposed to a right back. So he certainly prefers playing on the outside of a back five rather than the back four, which I think suits you guys anyway, particularly with the signings you've made this summer and the players you had already. His strengths definitely going forward. I would say that at Stoke, there were times where he had among the best chance creation statistics in the team, which when we had players like Mario Vrancic, Nick Powell, Josh Tymon on the other side, that they're, they're good numbers for uh, a right back at Stoke anyway. In defence, I'd say that he's good at interceptions. You know, when, when it's a high line and when the team's pushed up, he's good at nicking the ball and then restarting on the counter-attack. That's what enabled us a few times at the start of last season. I'd say his weaknesses, though, are when Stoke are back to the wall. He didn't do particularly well when he was sort of running towards his own box. He, You know, he's getting on. His, his pace wasn't particularly there. Neither was he particularly good in the tackle either with uh, the ball at the opponent's feet, he, as I say, more of an intercepting sort of character. So I think for you guys, he would suit you, particularly with players like Isaiah Jones performing for you last season. I'd say he's nowhere near as good as him, of course, but I would say that as a reserve option, I think he suits you guys. 
now that I've seen he's coming to you, it sort of makes sense considering that he was on a fair wage at Stoke and I don't think he'd have dropped down to, you know, a significantly less wage. So, you know, coming to you guys, probably the right move for all parties. You guys get a, a very good, a very decent backup right wing back who, you know, uh, he's not going to be captain for you guys, but he is a leader and you're going to be one of the better sides in the league anyway. You're not going to have many backs to the wall performances, I'm sure. And for him, he gets to play at a club that's going to pay his wages and potentially go up this season. And on that, best luck to you guys for the season ahead. Looks like it's going to be much more exciting for you than it is for us anyway. <laughs> Very optimistic from Ben there, wasn't it? Um, they, did, they did get beat, of course, yesterday at uh, Stoke City, but you never never know uh, with Stoke. Um, I don't think get promoted with Aidan Flint at centre-half, unfortunately. But... <laughs> Um, there was uh, an outgoing as well this week, um, Marcus Tavernier. We did speak about it on the pod last week, um, but there was one Marcus in and one Marcus out with Tavernier going to Bournemouth in a deal worth twelve million pound plus add-ons. And to quote Tom from a podcast a few uh, from a few episodes ago, he's Tavern here, Tavern there, and now he's Tavern gone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how are you feeling about the the move for Tav then? Because it's such a shame, I think, to to lose a to a good lose a good player. Um, but you know, we've got some good fees in the summer. Uh, but Tom, how are you feeling about the move for Tav? Um, I'm gutted about it. I I do think it's probably a little bit short sighted from from him and his advisors. Uh, he going to a club in Bournemouth where, you know. Scott Parker, I think we are all aware he's not a great manager anyway. I think if you're if you're looking at player development between him and Chris Wilder, you'd probably stay up or and play for Chris Wilder. Uh realistically, is Scott Parker going to last the whole season? Probably not. So then you're in a, a position where you're in a Bournemouth squad full of midfielders, probably not going to end up playing in, in your favourite position. Um and then Bournemouth are they probably going to go down? Probably one of the favourites for it as well. Uh, so, you know, you Premier League player for a season, hopefully you get to make your mark in that time and get picked up by someone else. Otherwise, you're back in the championship. I think at the moment, Borough are laying the foundations for something a lot stronger than what Bournemouth have. But I can also understand it from Tav's point of view as well. Uh, obviously, you've got the, the lure playing for the Premier League, but... I would think over the last couple of seasons, Tav's probably been told, just give it another year and we'll be there a couple of times. And how many times do you have to to hear that before you're like, right, no, I'm off. So, yeah, good to lose him, especially to to Bournemouth, because, like I say, he could probably go somewhere better and you know progress his career a bit more. But good luck to him there. Yeah. I know obviously the Malt Curse mug is, is sponsored by Marcus Tavernier, but Yeah. Um, Here it is. We're... Bring it in. Marcus Tavernier <clears throat> fan club. Should have known, shouldn't I? Should have known. Yeah, I'm sick as a pig, to be honest, because of that. Um, but also I, I'm really disappointed because losing such a key player and somebody that Chris Wilder said one of our best on the eve of a season is really, really disappointing. And I mean, I don't even care about the fee anymore. When it came out and it was 10 I think it was 12 million was it I was thinking yeah it's not that upfront it's because usually the reported fees are actually less upfront than it came out it was 10 million rising to to 12.5 million it's just it's really disappointing um because you know Tav's value to this team is immense and you do see clubs adding value onto players because of their value to the team so I feel like 
from an outsider's perspective, from a fan's perspective, looking in, obviously I'm not to know the ins and outs and the runnings of the club and, and what they did. We have been told that they did everything they could to keep him. That fee seems on the lower side, but hmm. taking that out of the equation, just really disappointed to lose such a key player, one of our best, so close to the season starting. Do you think that we've commanded a decent fee then, Tom? And then I think it's a bit low. Do you think Borough could have potentially got more? Yeah, I, I agree with Dana. I think it is on the low side, and I think he is worth more to us than uh, you know twelve mil. I think, as Dana said, it's not all going to be up front. So I think the there is a, a practice in football. If if anyone's read or listened to the Price of Football book, uh, where you can secure a loan against the uh, the what you call it. The, the payments on a on a transfer, yeah. um, the instalment, so you can get it all up front and you know go on to strengthen from that way. So I wouldn't be surprised if if we were able to do that uh, with with the FIFA tab, but I don't think twelve mil is is a reflection of what is he's worth to to the team. And I'm also a, li- a little bit annoyed accepting it so close to the start of the season, where we're getting done over by Premier League teams saying you can have X player as soon as we bring a replacement in, but we can't do the same for, for Tav. I, I think that's a, a, a bit of a bad decision from the club, to be honest. It's a shame. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, it, is a, it is a shame uh, for, for Borough being in this position. Uh, the move itself is, I think, for Tav, yeah, I agree with Perry's. I think he could have probably went to more of a an established Premier League size who, who would have probably helped him develop for more long-term, but uh, he's he's went to Bournemouth now, you know he's going to be playing Premier League football. I'm assuming he's got a substantial pay rise. The, the the your career in football is very short, so of course you've got to try and make a living out of it as much as you possibly can. And um, look, I, I do wish him all the best. Have I think he's he's going to be really really good in the Premier League. You know he's going to he sh- he should adapt to it very very well. But whether he does for for Bournemouth, I, I think it'd be. I'd be intrigued to see and whether he plays them. It looks like he's going to play on that left wing back role, which again I think he's more of a central player. Um, but it's, it's it's difficult for us. But Kabor have done more. They've said that they try to offer him, you know, a, a deal. He didn't go up to come and say he wanted to leave. It was more. It was I'm pretty sure we've got a fee. And I think if a Premier League team comes in for you, you're going to be like, mm, well, okay, well, yeah, let's kind of let's go for it from there. It's a shame, uh, but we've got a good replacement in Riley McGree. Do you think, Dana, we're going to lack a lot of energy there? I know you said it a little bit earlier, but is it, um, and the, from the question as well, that engine is probably that priority now to try and replace that, that Tav-type player. Yeah, and I think time will tell on Riley McGree whether he can because, I mean, energy is kind of determined by time, isn't it? And mm. towards the end of the season, when a lot of our team were flagging, Tav was the one that was still going. And I think it went hand in hand with his performances growing as well. Mm. And um, yeah, time will tell. Uh, we'll see. But I think McGree can definitely replace parts of Tav's game, but whether or not he... I don't think he's the full package of what Tav was. He probably is going to get you more goal contributions, but yeah, that energy. Some people already said it after the game yesterday. We were running out of steam. We looked a bit leggy. Fitness was the reason we didn't win it. Um, that's that's crucial. That's really important, especially in a Chris Wilder team where the press is aggressive and um, you know up and down. It's, uh, yeah... Time will tell with McGree, but yeah, we definitely need to uh, replace that engine, that Duracell battery, shall we say? 
I am still ready to give my heart and soul to Riley McGree. I still think he is <laughs> a delight to watch. Um, he is. He is very good there. to watch. Uh, I love I love watching him. Um, he's got talent and abundance. Um, it's just pairing the the additional battery inside. Uh, just inside, <laughs> insert the third battery into his back, and then uh, we're we're good to go. Um, but final question before we move on to QPRs. Tav worked under Chris. Who's uh, a Chris Parker there? Uh, under <laughs> Scott Parker. Um, good move for him to work under Scott Parker. Yes or no? Both of you shaking your heads. No, Absolutely okay. Not. Absolutely <laughs> okay, not. No, Tom, no, Tom, Tom had a good point though. Like the development, you can't tell me that Scott Park is going to develop Tav any more than Chris Wilder would in the division below. I think it's a really bad move. They keep. Oh, I've seen so many of their fans say they don't need a midfielder. They've got midfielders. They need a centre half. They're probably going to whack him out wide. And if he's playing left wing back in the Premier League, he's going to regress. He's not going to progress. And I tell you what, the grass isn't always greener, and it certainly is not greener in Bournemouth. So good luck to him. I don't think it's a good move. We'll see, but I, I feel like it's a really bad move for Tav. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's kind of going backwards in in terms of like you know Warnock would play him in every other position. Woodgate would play him in every other position. And now he's finally nailed down a position under Chris Wilder where he was developing extremely well. He was an absolutely vital part of the system. And I've, I've, I've saw a list of the amount of centre midfielders that Bournemouth have. I think they're about seven or eight of them. And I was like, where is he even going to fit in in that system? He, he probably will go back to just playing whatever position he's needed in. A shame. An absolute crying shame. But oh well, £12 million in the bank and we'll look to invest that with a couple of new signings in the next couple of days and we'll hopefully get uh, the few more that Chris Wilder is after. But let's look ahead to Saturday now where Bora travelled to the Cane Prince Foundation Stadium to play QPR and to get a flavour of the Yars summer. I'm going to leave you in the warm, soothing sounds of OJ from Up The Yars podcast to give us a bit more insight. Hi guys. Yeah, so pre-season... Um, not too bad. We kind of had a lot of new faces to get into the team. Kind of got to see where people are at, and you know, nurture some of the people that were out injured for the rest of last season to kind of get back to full fitness. Um, so yeah, the first real test was obviously when we played Palace, and unfortunately we did crumble. But you know, as to be expected, they uh, a good Premier League side. Um, on to yesterday. Um, it was it was a bit of a lacklustre performance, to be honest. I think defensively we looked pretty solid. The goal we conceded was a screamer from about twenty five yards out. Um, other than that, defensively I thought we were we, we were pretty good. We closed down Batman well. We didn't give him much time. Um, midfield lacked um, any real creativity. Would like to field Dazelle and, and Johansson in there. You've got not, you know, you've not got an Eze in there. You've not got someone that's gonna ping a ball out of nowhere. Um, some skills and get into areas so that was a bit of a lag for us and up front we were very very bare Lyndon Dykes has been pretty poor in the championship for us um, and I do see that continuing especially if he's not going to get the um, the service Shadipo someone that played really well for us yesterday Illich chair had a quiet one um, but obviously a few injuries hopefully the players coming back will sort that out um, definitely players to watch out for this season Sinclair Armstrong um, he's someone that I really think can go all the way. He's a nineteen-year-old striker, big, big lump, um, quick, agile. Got a lot of uh, a lot of strength about him as well. So 
He's someone that definitely look out for this season. Obviously, the likes of Chrissy Willock and Sanfield as well in his chair. We've got a few good players in there. It's just hopefully being able to utilise them to the best uh, best we can. Um, so the prediction on the Borough, I think Borough, for me, go up automatically this season. I think on paper, um, their team is arguably the best in the league. Um, I think, you know, we talk about the likes of Burnley and Sheffield United, but for me, Borough just have everything in abundance obviously the money from Jed Spence has helped with that but for me Borough win win automatic promotion second or first not sure yet um, but for the game uh, against against you guys I think unfortunately I'd love to say that we think we're going to win but I just can't see it I think unless we get any signings in I think we might suffer a big defeat 2-3-0 uh, wouldn't surprise me um, because yesterday we looked, looked nowhere near uh, like a team that could score goals. Um, I think, yeah, Borough Automatics, I think we're looking at maybe 13th, 14th uh, push. I think we're, we're lacking a lot this season. Thanks for that, Audrey. Um It seems like the C's at the QPR, at the QPR this season aren't very uh, good, to be honest. I think they're looking like they could be struggling. Um, but how we feel about this game, guys, because I appreciate it's still very early in the season. Results can be here, there, and everywhere. Um, but what are your predictions going into it? Uh, Tom, do you want to go first? I'm going to go 2-1. Um, just from, from what OJ was saying there, it, it doesn't sound like QPR have kind of hit their strides, uh, well, hit the ground running um, from the start of pre-season. Uh, they're going to struggle to score goals, apparently, which means they're absolutely going to score against us. Um, <laughs> to, be, to be honest, I don't I don't ever like us playing at QPR's ground anyway because I, I, I don't have many memories where we've kept a clean sheet there. I think a lot of the games end up being on TV, and even if we win, QPR have scored. So I, I think 2-1 Borough next week. 2-1 Borough. Uh, got a goal scorer in mind, Tom? No? Uh, no, we haven't signed him yet. Okay, fair enough. New, <laughs> new goal scorer anytime. TBD. Dana, what is your prediction? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say the same. And annual mention for Junior Highlight sliding into the camera pit at Loftus Road. <laughs> um I hope that happens again to someone. That's just be funny, um, even though it's not on the telly, so it won't. But yeah, 2-1, I, I agree with Tom. I don't really like us playing there. Uh, we do always seem to concede. It always is a really tough game. Um, I do expect them to score. Uh, so yeah, 2-1 for me. I don't know. I think Akpom will score for us because he did against QPR on his debut, didn't he? So yeah, Akpom, redemption arc, goes on. Okay, um, I want to go with 2-0 to the borough um i think our wingers will hopefully provide us enough creativity and pin them back um appreciate i think their wing back is probably their weak position at the moment and hopefully we can try and get the most out of that and hopefully uh get the get the w um and yeah who knows chewbacca might score um but if not then we'll we'll soon see so i'm sure someone will hit the back of the net at some point um but that's it guys thank you very much uh, for joining me as always and to the listeners and viewers thank you very much for listening and watching us and if you haven't already uh, subscribed to our youtube and our podcast provider and also if you haven't already donated to our morton your own disease association charity uh fundraiser this year as well we're trying to raise three thousand pounds so if you can help us 
hit that title, and that would be absolutely amazing as well. But for now, Bora build the first block of the season against QPR, but it's a long road ahead. Uh, this is the Bora Breakdown podcast, and that was like a Bora Match Day chatter in a pod. Up the Bora Breakdown. <laughs>